Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Talking Points listeners. It's your host, Brian Kelly, The Points Guy. As you know, Talking Points is a podcast where I sit down with CEOs, top execs, influencers, TPG staff, and more to talk all about travel and having fun along the way. Well, I've been a little bit busy lately with launching TPG UK and this vlog. So today's episode, we are going to dig through our archives and share a Talking Points best of. It's all about hotels. We've got breakdowns of the Hilton Honors Program. They allow all the way down to silver, their lowest tier, to take advantage of Fifth Night Free, which I think is pretty cool. World of Hyatt. Well, I think the best thing about the Hyatt program is they have really reasonable redemption rates. And a quick intro into the world of timeshares. If you're active in the Miles and Points community, you're actually very well equipped to get the most out of a timeshare. TPG senior editor Darren Murph is fluent in all things Hilton Honors. He explains how you can find the most value in the program, why the Hilton Aspire card is a no-brainer, and if the program is right for you. First off, what do we value Hilton points at, and do you agree with it? It's on the low end, so it's uh, six cents per point, which... Six tenths of a cent. That's right, six tenths of a cent per point. So 100,000 points we value at 600 bucks. Yes. That's much lower than some of the transfer points, MX, membership rewards, Chase Ultimate Rewards, um, and uh, and City Thank You points. But that's to be expected because those can go many different places. So the question is, do I agree with that or not? It's become more difficult now that they have gotten rid of the award chart. So they've moved to this dynamic chart that's not quite revenue-based, but they're leaning in that direction. And so I can find redemptions that absolutely line up with that. And then I can find some like the Hilton Morea where they're worth half as much as what we say they are. How yeah. much did that cost a night and what would it have cost in points? So the base level room there is around 600 a night. Mm-hmm. 600 US dollars a night. So that same room. At our valuation, you should be able to use 100,000 points then? That's right. right. That's right. However, to buy that same room with points, it's 188000 Wow. So this is a situation where you really shouldn't use your points there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would be much, much better having a co-branded Hilton Amex, buying it with cash, doubling up on the redemptions that you earn from a stay, an aspirational stay like that. And is that because there was no basic rooms available? Is that how? So let's talk about the Hilton program basic. Yeah. So if there's a standard room, yep. you should be able to redeem at, well, there is no standard rate anymore because there's no award That's chart, the right? Problem. Yeah. That's the problem. So the upside is Hilton... So is, is Hilton pulling the rug out from under us? They they have been slowly. In this case, the upside is Hilton will allow you to book any room they sell with points. That's not the case with other properties. Does Hilton have any really, you know, you know Marriott used to have the hotel plus air packages, fifth yeah. night free. Like what are yeah. some of the sweet spots using Hilton points? So Hilton got rid of Axon, which was a little known perk, but uh, it was a co-branded Amex card perk that you could get more for your miles. So they got rid of that a few years ago uh, for your points, sorry. But fifth night free remains. 
And they allow all the way down to silver, their lowest tier, to take advantage of Fifth Night Free, which I think is pretty cool. So you don't have to be a top-tier elite to use Fifth Night Free. But Marriott gives Fifth Night Free to everyone, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's fairly easy to earn you, silver with Hilton. But yeah, that's a fair point. It should go all the way down. Generally speaking, the, the valuations tend to only make sense when you use a Fifth Night Free. Mm-hmm. Because when you throw that Fifth Night Free in, the averages of the point valuations start to make more sense. So that's that's a good perk. Another thing in sporting events are a real strong suit for Hilton. Really? Yeah. So, so what will happen is uh, if it's, um, it's a baseball game, it's a football game, it's a NASCAR event, hotels in that area will inflate their rates accordingly because they know a flood of people will come in for this one event. More often than not, the points do not go up in proportion to the dollars. So if you really want to go to a sporting event and it looks like cash-wise, all of your options are really, really high. Check out Hilton's points. They'll still be up a little from the base, but not as much proportionally. So you can find some sweet redemptions in there. Well, when it comes to redeeming points for experiences, can you use Hilton points for sporting events and concerts at a decent rate? You can. And I actually do like how they've laid out their experience purchase page. They rank them by points. So you can focus what you look at on the experience page based on how many points you have. So it kind of limits what you're looking at. I, I generally don't find them to be an amazing value unless it's, it's an exclusive event. Mm-hmm, where you can't buy it anyway. Where you can't buy it anyway. So if it's something you really want to do or your significant other or someone in your family would love to do and it's an exclusive, it might be a good use of it. If it's just using your points to buy concert tickets that you could buy in cash, generally you're better to pay cash. Let's take a pivot for a second to elite status. Where does Hilton Diamond shine in comparison to others, would you say? Hilton definitely likes to surprise and delight. I always feel like I'm getting something extra when I show up as a diamond. They will always try to upgrade me. I have never ran into a situation where they just refuse to look. Mm -hmm. They will always try to do it, and they seem to take great pleasure in doing that. What I think is unique about Hilton is it it actually starts at gold, where they give free breakfast across the boards Mm. uh, at gold. And this doesn't happen at pretty much any other chain. You have to be top tier, and even sometimes top tier doesn't get that included. And why that's a big deal, if you stay at aspirational places like the Hilton Marea, a breakfast buffet there is between $40 and $50 per person. When I checked in as a diamond, even though I didn't book through Hilton.com, they recognized my status. For myself and my guest, we got free breakfast every day. Over the course of a multi-day stay, there's hundreds of dollars. So Hilton Diamond, would you say, is in the middle of the pack when it comes to top tiers? Yeah, I would say that. But gold is really where it shines. exactly. So their gold is significantly better than comparable golds elsewhere. The diamonds, I would say, middle of the road, not not below average by any means. Let's put it this way. It wouldn't break my heart too much to fall from diamond as long as I caught myself at gold. Will they give a soft landing? I haven't tested that out. They actually introduced a nuanced type of – they allow diamonds. If you've had diamond for three years, and it doesn't have to be consecutive, you can actually go on hiatus for a year and then reinstate yourself into diamond. So if you know you have a year coming up where you're going to take a sabbatical or you're just not going to be traveling as much, they'll let you put your status on hold and then reinstate it later. Interesting. That well, is interesting. Well, Darren, you do know that part of the Centurion card, you get a uh, free diamond status. That's right. So all I need to do is spend $2,500 <laughs> to add you as an additional card holder. Of course, never giving you the actual card because I don't yeah. trust you as far as uh, I can throw you. Well, you um, But you would get diamond. But uh, you also could spend on credit cards. So let's pivot. Let's start with the lower tier cards. Which cards are for who? Yeah. So they offer several cards, but I'll just cut to the chase and say I think the only one worth signing up for is the top tier 
Hilton Aspire. The reason is a fewfold. One, the, the welcome bonus is higher than it's ever been. That's really alluring. Uh, but the second is you get guaranteed diamond status. And if all that mattered to you was gold status, I'd say you just go get the MX Platinum. Mm-hmm. The MX Platinum is a better all-around card. It can help you in more ways than just Hilton, and you get complimentary gold status there. So if you want gold, I'd say sign up for the MX Platinum and you've got it. If diamond matters to you, the Aspire card gives you complimentary diamond status, and you don't have to spend anything. You don't have to stay any amount of nights. It's very rare for a card to just give top-tier status unbridled. It's Forever. Like, yeah, as long as you hold the card. So you get diamond just for having the card. Now, don't you think that's going to dilute diamond for the you know people like you who in the past have actually stayed in the hotels? I wondered that. But you know how I think they can pull it off is that they have so many brands and so many properties that their, their Hilton loyalists are spread so far that I, I don't actually worry about it being hyper-concentrated. Because even if you go to a, a Doubletree, a middle-of-the-road property, or an Embassy Suites, you can look for upgrades there. And there are a lot of Hilton loyalists that don't necessarily stay in the major urban centers where you're going to get the Conrads. They appreciate it, too. And yeah. there are perks that they can enjoy, especially with families that free breakfast really adds up. So, you know, how much is the annual fee and how do you calculate the perks to make to make it worth it. Yeah, so it's 450 right now. Uh, it's easy to earn back. You get 250 back on a Hilton resort anywhere in the world, and that includes the room rate, so not just incidentals. So if you spend two nights at any Hilton resort, you automatically get the 250 back. Then there's an airline incidental for 250 as well. So that's more than the annual fee it's right there. It's already more yeah. than the annual fee. And there's five or ten other perks that, of course, we've written about. There's uh, there's seven huge perks, and that's just two of them, and you already make 500 back for spending 450 It's a no-brainer. Oh, and you come away with diamond. Any final hacks or tips for someone who's uh, starting to stay more at Hilton and has no idea about the program or any good redemptions that you've had specifically? So this might sound a little crazy, but one of the, the best ways to use the Hilton Honors Points program right now is to not use it on the most of aspirational of places. Instead, pay cash at the aspirational places, use a Hilton co-branded card to earn a lot of points back. And then when you're on road trips or you're with your family, you're visiting grandma in a non-urban center, the Hampton Inns and the Doubletrees of the world are everywhere that the Conrads aren't. And the redemption rates there are a lot more solid. So it's not as sexy to redeem for a Hampton Inn, but the value is very, very high. And so if you tend to spend time in places that aren't major urban centers, you can get a lot from the program. If you enjoyed that quick look into Hilton Honors, find the full episode where I interview Mark Weinstein, their Senior Vice President and Global Head of Customer Engagement, Loyalty, and Partnerships in the Talking Points feed. It's episode number four. Mark shares how the program's evolving and stacking up against its competitors. Next up, we've got our very own TPG editor, Nick Ewan. His love for the world of Hyatt program is contagious. He explains why it has the best elite status out there and shares his expert tips you don't want to miss. Let's just talk about high-level Hyatt points. You know, I think Marriott and Starwood and Ritz have gotten all the attention this past year, but there have been a lot of changes to the Hyatt program. Why do you still love your Hyatt points? Well, I think the best thing about the Hyatt program is is really twofold. Number one, they have really reasonable redemption rates. So they're top tier Hyatt branded properties like the Park Hyatt in New York or the Park Hyatt in Beaver Creek for any of our skiers out there are 
only require 30,000 points for a free night, whereas other programs gets up to 60,000, 85,000, 95,000. The other great thing about Hyatt is that they have a no blackout dates policy that really has teeth. And if there is a standard room available for sale, the properties under the Hyatt umbrella have to make that room available using points. So it's really kind of a win-win where you have reasonable rates, but then any standard room that's available on a paid rate, you can use your points for it. And cash and points, do you use that when possible or are you an all points reservation kind of guy? So I typically like to use all points. Uh, I will tell you that under the new points in cash redemption scheme, I don't really see myself utilizing that. It used to be a flat copay along with half of the points required for a full free night. And they've since changed it to where it's now. It requires half of the points plus half of the paid rate. So it's not as much of a valuable uh, tool to use anymore. That being said, if someone isn't earning a ton of Hyatt points and they want to just defray some of the cost of a stay, it can still be a decent option under the, the right circumstances. It's just not something that can get you outsized value like it did before. Got it. And Hyatt did make the change about earning elite status now based on cash and points and point stays. That was actually a really nice addition after they raised the requirements for earning the different tiers of elite status when they shifted from Hyatt Gold Passport to World of Hyatt. It was nice for them to kind of catch up to the rest of the programs that already did count award nights towards elite status. Uh, so that was definitely a nice addition. So yeah, as long as you are booking an eligible rate, you're not going through a third party like the Chase Portal or Expedia or Hotels.com, you will earn elite credit for uh, for that night. And you know, you said you commended Hyatt because it's only thirty thousand points for a top tier versus double, triple that in other programs. But let's talk about the earning. So earning on base stays with Hyatt, you're not earning as many points as you are, say, in Hilton or Marriott, right? So is is Hyatt truly more generous because they offer lower redemptions or are they just giving you less points on the earn side as well? So that's a great point. And it absolutely is true that they are, you do earn fewer points per dollar spent when you visit Hyatt properties. I think the one of the big things that I personally love about Hyatt is the fact that they partner with Chase Ultimate Rewards for one-to-one transfers. And that's a great way to quickly boost your account. You know, I have several Ultimate Rewards earning credit cards. They're some of our favorites here at the Points Guys. So um, it's interesting to note that yes, Marriott points, you earn more of them on stays, but you also transfer Chase points to Marriott at a one-to-one rate. So that's really an easy way to boost your Hyatt uh, balance. And the other nice thing is that Hyatt also does allow you to earn points on other things outside of Hyatt stays. So um, dining experiences and some of their new partnerships. Let's get into credit cards uh, before we get into redemption. So earning points, you mentioned, you know, I chase Sapphire Reserve, you earn 3x points on travel and dining and then transferring those points to Hyatt. I know I, I transferred them to Park Hyatt Maldives. It's only 25,000 points for a $1,000 room. You're easily getting four cents a point. You know, and when you're earning three points per dollar, it's a nice 12% rebate by using the Sapphire Reserve and transferring to Hyatt for those luxury stays. But does it make sense to get the new World of Hyatt credit cards? And are they as lucrative as, you know, the Inks and the Sapphires of the world? So I think the uh, the World of Hyatt credit card, the new version that launched in the earlier part of 2018, I think is great for a couple of different kind of groups of individuals. The first are those who are trying to close elite status gaps. I know when I was loyal to Hyatt, I wasn't able to stay in Hyatt's 
80, 90, 100 nights a year because of their limited footprint. And the nice thing is that the World of Hyatt credit card allows you through spending to close some of those gaps where you get five elite nights just for having the card. And then for every $5,000 you spend on the card in a calendar year, you get another two nights of elite status credit. So that can really help if you're close to Explorist or close to Globalist to put you over the top. The other thing that I love about the Hyatt credit card, both the old version as well as the new World of Hyatt credit card are the free night certificates. Uh, those are valid in category one through four properties. Every time I've redeemed one of those certificates, I've always gotten at least $200 worth of value. You get one of those every year, another one after spending $15,000 on the card. So I think those, those alone make the card a really great option. The other thing I really like about it, if you don't currently have a Sapphire Preferred or a Sapphire Reserve, but you still want to earn Hyatt points, the card has the most extensive bonus categories of any hotel credit card out there. So yeah, they just added fitness too, which I thought was really clever. Yeah, that's uh, actually very unique in the credit card market, which is really nice. Um, but then you get, in addition to four points per dollar spent at Hyatt, you get double points at restaurants, on airline tickets, on transit, commuting, uh, and on fitness club and gym memberships. So I'm a CrossFitter. Um, it, it's a great option for for me when I'm you know swiping that card every month for my uh, monthly membership fee there. Uh, SoulCycle, any of those clubs or memberships, uh, it's a great option for that. Cool. So let's go into the redemption side. So you've got a boatload of Chase points, burning a hole in your pocket, and or Hyatt. Bring us through how to redeem, get the most value. Are there fifth night awards? Are there any of these weird hotel and air packages that other brands have had? Kind of give us the lay of the land when it comes time to redeem. Yeah. So the nice thing about Hyatt, again, is that they have very reasonable redemption rates. They're top tier Park Hyatt properties, 30,000 points a night. I've done that at the Park Hyatt in Zurich when room rates were 700 euros per night. One of the best values though I have found is actually at some of the lower tier properties. So category one is only 5,000 points per night. Category two is only 8,000 points per night. If you find some of those Hyatt Place or Hyatt House locations, if you're traveling with uh, families, oftentimes you can get a full apartment for five or 8,000 points per night. If the revenue rates are two or three hundred dollars, that's a phenomenal value for your uh, your role, your Hyatt points. So you know, really, a lot of times we talk about those aspirational ones, but yeah, those lower ones are great. Are there any fifth night free? or wonky sort of package awards that people should know about? So the Hyatt unfortunately doesn't do any type of uh, fifth night free option. But one of the things that a lot of people don't know is Hyatt does allow you to actually transfer points freely to any other member in the program. Uh, you can only do it once every 30 days. And the official restrictions are that it must be for a, a specific redemption. So you can't just say, oh, I'm gonna transfer 100,000 points and then leave them sitting in that other account for you know the next two years. Uh, it does specifically say it must be for a redemption, but that's very unique. Um, there are a couple other programs that do allow kind of that pooling, but the real nice thing this allows you to do is if you are friends with a globalist member. So one of our top contributors, Richard Kerr, huge Hyatt fan. He's been globalist since the new World of Hyatt program launched. I could call him up and say, listen, Richard, I want to take my wife on an anniversary trip. Can I transfer some Hyatt points to you and have you book it for me? Because then that invokes what Hyatt calls the guest of honor benefit. And then I get all of Richard's globalist perks, even though I'm actually the one staying. He's oh, wow. not doing this. So this day. isn't, so, this isn't a, 
you know, gray area where you're going to get high. It's going to shut down your account. If you do this too many times, this is totally within the rules. Yeah, this is within the rules. It's once every 30 days. You also do, and this is, surprises people, you have to actually submit a paper form. So you have to mm-hmm. manually write it out, scan it, email it, or even fax it. Um, and it does take, I think, six to eight weeks for it to actually process. But no, oh, wow. this is, yeah. <laughs> six to eight weeks. Yeah. Have you done this before? I have not actually taken advantage of it. I am looking ahead, though, towards, um, you know, my wife's 40th birthday, thinking about trying to plan one of those. And Richard will definitely be getting a call for me. So Richard, if you're listening, definitely uh, uh, get ready for that. <laughs> you know, you can also transfer high points to airlines. Do you recommend doing that? I, I generally don't. The rates that you'll get when you transfer them are are generally not worth it. You're going to sacrifice a lot of value. You know, we peg Hyatt points at 1.7 cents a piece. You're not transferring them at a one-to-one ratio. So I, I would definitely not recommend using them in that way. You generally get much more value uh, using them for, uh, for free nights or for upgrades as well. Another often overlooked option is if you are looking for an upgrade to a club room or to a suite or to a premium suite, you can actually do those on paid stays. Uh, so that's another great option. Um, it's only 3000 points to go from paying for a regular room to get a club access at some of their uh, uh, Regency club locations around the world. So that's another great option. So I definitely recommend that as opposed to transferring to airline partners. Got it. What's your overall take on Hyatt? elite status? Is it worth going for? And why would you think that Hyatt Globe, would you make the case that Hyatt Globalist is the best top tier hotel elite status out there? I certainly would. I think there are a couple of really nice benefits that set it apart. The suite upgrade awards are really fantastic, uh, more valuable than any other similar awards in the hotel space, where you can actually get four of those for reaching the uh, qualification level for globalist. They've actually starting March 1st uh, in 2019, they are going to be adjusting it to where you actually get two of those at 50 nights. So even before you reach the globalist threshold, and then another two when you get to 60 nights, and those are valid on stays up to seven nights in length. So if you have, you know, four week long vacations at a Hyatt property as a globalist member, you can book a regular room and then use those suite upgrade awards and to book that on a suite. Paid? stays or award as well? Uh, Paid and award stays as well as points in cash. And you can confirm them in advance. So no waiting until a week before or five days before you can actually confirm them. If you book six months in advance, you can call as soon as you have that reservation and and lock in those sweet stays. You know, you're kind of selling me here, Nick. If I I wanted to, (laughs) I've got Marriott Platinum the hard way. I fit over a hundred nights a year. Marriott has made some changes that have made me a little upset, like uh, not being able to get multiple room night credit for elite status. Does Hyatt allow you if, if there's multiple, if I'm going to pay for three of my friend's rooms, do I get those points and elite credit? Unfortunately, no, you do only get the one night of elite credit. You can earn points on up to three rooms, but it is just one night worth of elite credit. And, you know, before you go jumping into Hyatt, you know, the biggest thing, the biggest drawback, they are taking steps to address this, but is their limited geographic coverage? You know, there's still less than a thousand properties. Marriott is over 6,800. Hilton has, I think at last count over 6,000. Um, again, oh, well, Hyatt, under a thousand. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now adding the small luxury hotels, they're gradually integrating those into the program. Yep. They're at, I think just over 50 right now, they're over 500 of those. So still, yep. you know, a lot to come there, the two roads hospitality, you know, I think those are going to address, you know, some of the, those concerns, but it's just, it's, it's challenging when you're looking at that limited geographic coverage to reach those 60 nights or to reach those 30 nights to get explorer status. Not everyone's going to be able to do that. And in general, the Hyatt portfolio skews more 
luxury hotels, you know, whereas, yes, Marriott's over 6,000, but so many are, you know, more, you know, that what they call their select service brands. So would you say in general, if people want to go for that high at elite status, it's going to cost more than at other brands because most of the hotels are on the higher end of the spectrum? Yes, partly that. And then I think the other thing is just the general geographic reach. You know, Hyatt does have a large number of Hyatt place properties and kind of, you know, I don't want to say less desirable, but not the biggest cities that that are out there. But they don't come close to the reach of, say, a Hampton Inn or a Fairfield Inn, where you could find, you know, those properties on the side of an interstate in the middle of Nebraska, whereas, you know, the only Hyatt place, you know, in the area might be in a larger city. So I think that's the the other thing is if you are someone, a business traveler who isn't always going to the same locations where you can count on a Hyatt location or a Hyatt property to stay at, it may be challenging to reach those elite status qualification thresholds. Check out the World of Hyatt episode with Nick and hear my full interview with Amy Weinberg, VP of the World of Hyatt program on episode number eight in the Talking Points feed. All right, now we're going to take a quick pause to hear from our sponsors. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Coming up next, TPG contributor Ed Pizzarello explains why a timeshare might be a valuable option depending on your travel goals and breaks down the fees. I think the timeshare companies, especially the ones associated with the major chains, are trying to find ways to make it look more sexy for for new buyers. So there's a, you know, Wyndham has a, a, a suite of benefits for folks who buy more points, VIP service. Mm-hmm. You get, you know, preference to nicer rooms. You can book sooner. You get more housekeeping. So for folks that like the timeshare world, some of those things can be appealing, but they come at a pretty hefty price. Mm-hmm. And you're buying a significant chunk of points directly from pick any of these major hotel chains that run timeshare companies to get those benefits. It's a way for them to try and get you to keep buying from them as opposed to using the resale market. That's interesting. So, I, you know, I've always been, you know, thinking of timeshares as a waste. You know, they get you yeah. in on, they build up that emotional high during yeah. that pitch and you're yeah. locked in. And then, yep. you know, timeshare owners, I always feel are very defensive. Like, no, I didn't get swindled and it is a good deal. But it actually can be a good deal is what you're it, saying. Because you're a smart it, guy. You're, you know, you know. It can be. There's a, it's this gets back to like if you looked at you know we we posted in the TPG lounge and we asked for you know our members to tell us what they thought and it was a it was the full mixed bag which I would expect there were some folks that said it was a complete scam I didn't get what I expected all the way to we love it it works perfectly for us mm-hmm. so a, a good cross section of folks and and I'd guess that the ones that are happy with it probably did the research before they bought it mm-hmm. um, you know buying a resale timeshare is is there. Are there really those big downsides, like you're never going to get the full perks or whatever? Or is, would you? I, I think it depends on. So Disney has done a pretty good job of, of of segregating the perks, but in the other companies, so using Wyndham as our example, as as Noah noted, the the biggest thing you're going to lose there are if you buy those points on on the secondary market, those wouldn't count towards any VIP status that you might earn, but 
you need at least 400,000 points in the Wyndham program to have VIP service. And to put that in context from a financial standpoint, that's an initial investment of you know, sixty or seventy thousand mm-hmm. dollars. That's a pretty significant financial commitment for yep. a lot of folks. So, right. and then you've got the maintenance fees on top of that. So, I think you've got to be really into timeshare to invest that kind of money. Yeah. So, if you're just going to buy enough to have a vacation for a week every year, you're never going to get to the level of being a VIP with Wyndham at four hundred thousand points. So, it probably doesn't matter to most smart folks that are going to buy timeshares. Let's talk about the financial. So, what are the key tranches of timeshare? The initial investment, and then the other key things people have to take into account if they're looking at it. Yeah, so um, and w- I've got some Wyndham examples. And so as a, as a, a general rule of thumb, we can say that uh, timeshare maintenance fees are going to go up about 3% a year. The typical Wyndham first-time buyer is going to spend somewhere between, call it twenty dollars and $30,000. And depending on where they spend those points, that gets them uh, a one-week vacation somewhere in, across Wyndham's map, which is a huge map. Mm-hmm. That is the benefit in buying from Wyndham. And that can be a one-bedroom unit in a much nicer property, or it could be a two-bedroom unit in uh, maybe a property that's not quite as aspirational, mm-hmm. if you will. But if you wanted to stay at you know Whistler or one of the nicer properties in Hawaii or things like that, that's probably going to be more like a one-bedroom room yep. that you're buying. Whereas if you want to stay in you know Tennessee, yeah, uh, Smoky Mountains, you can get a you get a two bedroom unit. And the the flexibility that members have with these programs is they can decide to they have a system called banking and borrowing, mm-hmm. where essentially you have a bucket of points every year. You can roll your points forward. You can roll your points back to give yourself a bigger pool. Mm-hmm. So if you want to have a big family reunion or yep. you want a, a nicer room with a you know better suite, you know, all that so stuff. So you can forego a vacation one year to do a much nicer one the next. You can. With- um, you can also split up into much smaller trips. You can just do long weekends. You know, this gets back to making sure you're you know how you're going to use the unit. One of our TPG Lounge members actually said that they bought from Wyndham. And when they got home and started to go through the math of it, they realized that they normally do travel on long weekends. And when they looked at the charts, the places that they wanted to go, the numbers just didn't make sense for them to do those short trips. They, they were and gonna, is it mostly – do you have to – I know I hate traveling to certain destinations where it's Saturday to Saturday. Yeah. So is that the case with timeshare or does it depend? It's not necessarily that. But if you think about it, you know, as Noah noted, a lot of the reason why you know, millennials are, are thinking about this is because they're having kids. And – you don't necessarily go Saturday to Saturday, but as you start to fold into the school schedules, yeah. everybody's traveling the same time. Right. And so that can be some of the trouble with, with these resorts. And the big mistake we made when we first bought our timeshare was understanding that we bought because we want, you know, that gave us our, our longer booking windows. Normally the way timeshares work, wherever your quote-unquote home resort is, mm-hmm. you get to book there sooner than everybody else. It's like, oh, well, that's really great. But I'm never going to book a vacation 13 months mm-hmm. out. I just, I just don't do it. Yeah. So from that standpoint. So you get like the last slim pickings, I guess. This is what some people don't realize. Yeah. It's, you need to think about how you're going to use it. If you're I'm not starting gonna, to get stressed out already. <laughs> if you're not going to book 13 months ahead of time, then where you buy your home resort doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're never going to book that far ahead, having the the advantage of booking that far ahead is useless to you. You don't have any value. It yeah. doesn't have any value for it. Another thing too. And is, then in that case, is it, then does it just make sense to buy points off of secondary market if? 
Yeah, Wyndham, Wyndham actually has an interesting thing, too. They have a, a program that I believe they call Access where you don't necessarily have a quote-unquote home resort. Mm-hmm. You're sort of like spread out a bunch, a bunch, yeah. a bunch of home resorts. So that could also be a, another path for folks if they don't specifically want to get into one place. And I think if you're, if you're going down the timeshare path in today's world, I think it should be to use mm-hmm. the entire suite of properties they offer as opposed to always going to the same place. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't think it makes sense to buy in and go to the same place every year. You're, you're paying a premium to get that variety, I think. Yeah. All right, so let's get back to it. So you pay the upfront, let's call it 25000 or I don't yeah. know what your model has. And then what are the yearly fees? You know, Noah made it sound great. Oh, no resort, <laughs> no resort fees, we're flying high, but then there's actually are quite a bit of fees. So you pay this big chunk upfront. Yeah, and so using the, those numbers at um, at, a, at around twenty five grand, you'd be paying about in today's dollars, you'd be paying about eight hundred dollars a year in fees. Mm-hmm. And if we say that that's going to go up three percent a year over the course of twenty years, you're going to spend about twenty thousand dollars in maintenance fees mm-hmm. over the course of those the, those first twenty years. You spent twenty five thousand to buy in, so you're all in for about forty five grand. And under that scenario, you say if you took one week long vacation a year, you'd be spending you know twenty five hundred bucks a year or twenty two fifty a year for mm-hmm. for that vacation, which isn't horrible. So if we knew we were getting a one bedroom or a two bedroom unit, we'd say that's a great value. If we were staying some at some of the more aspirational destinations and getting the smaller units, you know at three hundred bucks a night, uh, you know I think our TPG members can do much better than that mm-hmm. using their miles and points. Mm-hmm. So. Again, I think it's knowing what you're getting yourself into and making sure that you can get the value out of it. Timeshare should be more compared to Airbnbs and vacation rentals than they should hotels, right? Like full-service hotels when, you, when you're looking at pricing. So really what I think is could you get a similar property at $300 a night on Airbnb? But what, what's the difference? You know, do you stay in Airbnbs often and what would you, how would you describe the difference yeah, I don't stay in Airbnbs often. I, I'm I'm one of the few folks out there who's still nervous about yeah. you know am I going to show up? Is there right. is there actually going to be a room? You know, did the yeah. owner put a camera in my bedroom? Yeah, you know, yeah. All that stuff. So I think actually I think the Airbnbs of the world have actually helped timeshares. Hmm. Um, you know, timeshares sit in between hotels and Airbnb. They're a more structured version of an Airbnb. You've got a front desk. You've got security. You've got a bunch mm-hmm. of things that you don't necessarily have with an Airbnb. Doesn't mean Airbnb is a bad thing, but for somebody like me who says, I, I don't really want to leave it to chance. Is the yeah. host going to be there when I show right, up? All right. that stuff. Timeshares eliminate those elements. Mm-hmm. You've got a dedicated room. You've got a reservation. You know, as Noah said, the the Bonnet Creek property that I went to down at Disney World, which is on Disney's property, they've got free parking. Yeah. There's a front desk that's manned 24 hours a day. So, you know, you obviously you might don't be able have... to get cheaper in Airbnb, but you're getting a lot more in terms of like. Uh, mitigating risk a lot more by staying in a timeshare. You're mitigating risk, and then depending on where you're going, you're using that example down at Bonnet Creek. The property has um, three or four pools. There's a lazy river. There's three or four restaurants. So there are other amenities that you wouldn't necessarily expect to get in an Airbnb. So when we strip it all down, so you're paying uh, 2500 a week, did we say? Um, so it, can you... And is that really a great price? Can you get it cheaper through other means, that similar property on the secondhand market every year? Like, why lock yourself in give up a bunch of capital that you could invest elsewhere. Yeah, uh, from, a, from a cash standpoint, I think you know buying on the resale market can be a very smart uh, path, especially because there's a, lot of, there's a lot of legislation around how resale timeshares need to be sold. So those companies are regulated. It's deeded timeshare, which means you're buying real estate. So it's governed by both timeshare law and retail, real estate law. So you have protections. Mm-hmm. You know, and the companies that do this, the, the most reputable companies have great reputations. 
The Full Timeshare episode with Ed and Noah Brodsky, the Chief Brand Officer at Wyndham Destinations, is number 12 in our feed. Thanks to Caroline, Margaret, Ryan, and everyone at TPG. Check out all of our past episodes at thepointsguide.com slash podcasts. And make sure you subscribe for free for all of the new ones that are about to drop. For now, I'm Brian Kelly, The Points Guy. Safe travels. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.